You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. Um, I do want to acknowledge that uh, Father's Day, uh, as it's already been said, sometimes it can be ups and downs, and depending on where you are in life, where you're tracking, it can be a real, like, this is the best holiday ever, or it could be the worst holiday, and I get that. Um, this Father's Day in particular for me, your pastor, um, this is the first time Je- or Jessica and I are alone. She went through it for Mother's Day a couple weeks ago, uh, but uh, you guys know both of our kids are thousands of miles away, uh, but they are going to reach out to us. Reagan already did. I'm sure Logan will at some point. And if he doesn't, I'm going to pound his, <laughs> pound him hard. <laughs> but uh, we honor and we celebrate dads. And if you got here late and you were like, what's up with the root beer? That's just for our families to enjoy. We thought it'd be fun. Root beer candies and uh, Slim Jims and some root beers. And uh, that is great. But I wanted you to know that that is just an add-on. That is not why we're here today. I want to encourage you today, more importantly, with a message that I believe God has put on my heart for dads and that the presence of God would be here. And already through worship, uh, God is moving, and we want to just continue to fan the flame today. Uh, thanks, Pastor Bobby, for your leadership in singing and, and uh, worshiping with us. So today, I want to talk to dads. And I know some of you are like, well, I'm not a dad, or I'm a single mom, and, uh, or, I, you know, well, listen, this message is for everybody but with the bent towards fathers. And I want to talk today about manhood. Manhood matters. I want to start here with this idea that masculinity matters. And I understand that that is somehow politically incorrect these days, and it's hard to wrap our mind around it. But I tell you the truth, being a man of God, being passionate with full, with a full heart, passionate for Jesus, not asleep spiritually, it matters. Men who fight to love their spouse as well, and ultimately men who look like Jesus, manhood matters. The goal of manhood is not to be in the woods with your shirt off eating raw meat, okay guys? Although for some of you, that probably would encourage you, right? No, Manhood is more than that. It's rooted in God's word, and we're going to get to the bottom of it today. And I do want to talk to just the guys in the room. Now, you can produce a family, procreate, but it does not make you a father. You can be married in the sight of the law. It does not make you a mate. You can be a male the way God intended you, but that does not make you a man. Godly manhood it's important. It's something that's developed. And we all, all the men in the room should be striving towards that. So let's talk about the state of fatherhood. David Kinneman, he's the research guru, the head of Barna Research. He says that there's a crisis in raising young men and women. And he, he talks about a lot of different reasons why uh, screen time, video games, toxic masculinity, gender roles, and just the idea that the digital access to sexually charged material is just unlimited, the lack of role models, and there's other things. He says that increasingly, fatherhood is under 
attack. It's being devalued, being redefined. And fatherhood is hard, even in the best of circumstance. How many uh, fathers would agree, right? And, uh, and by the way, let's just acknowledge from the beginning here, if you're a dad and you've messed up, just raise your hand nice and strong. Come on, nice and tall. Yeah, me too. Pull hands. Oh, God, take me now, right? The, the fact of it is, I'm the first to admit that I have messed up over and over and over with Reagan and with Logan. In fact, creating a message on fatherhood and trying to be a challenge, this is speaking to me as well. And for me, I have turned to mentors and counselors and the Word of God and other books and podcasts and resources to keep going as a dad, learning and growing. In fact, I've had this idea like, man, if I just knew how to do it, I would do it. And the state of the father, some of fathers apparently don't know how to do it. Now, I don't want today to be a day full of condemnation. No, the goal here is for us to take a step in the right direction and for some change to happen. And it's only by the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit today. The goal is to build you up, to cheer you up, and not to make you feel unworthy or unfit as a dad. But the state of our fathers is in trouble. Recently, I listened to a two-part interview with John Tyson. He's a pastor in New York. He's in a similar stage of life that Jessica and I are in, him and his wife. Uh, His kids are like 24 and 21. And uh, he wrote a book recently called The Intentional Father. It's a book about raising sons of courage and character. And when I started to interact with the idea, I'm thinking, man, my son has just moved away and and, uh, it's always too late, right? The right book comes out and it's always too late. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. Um, But this book, it talks about five distinct types of fathers, And this will challenge us as we, in the introduction here, and yes, I'm still in my introduction. Lock the doors. No, just kidding. The first he talks about is the irresponsible father. A father that doesn't accept his duties as a sacred responsibility will bail on the kids completely not present. Irresponsible. Number two is the ignorant father. They don't know what to do. They actually often are doing damage. They don't really want to know. The ignorant father. The third he describes is the inconsistent father. Torn by ambition. He's present at one time, absent the next. He shows up big time in one thing, but then drops the ball big time in another. And often, what's interesting about the inconsistent father he talks about is that there's often a lot of personal brokenness and a lot of shame in the inconsistent father. And then he talks about another father, the involved father. He would describe this as the typical Christian dad or the good American dad. They're showing up to the games consistently. They have the sex talk, in which, by the way, um, I think the sex talk should start around six or seven years old. If you're curious about why so early, I would love to chat with you about that. But the, the, or the involved dad, it will help with homework, often was the coach, different things like this. But they tend to live in a world of general principles. And he does acknowledge, John, uh, John Tyson, that the involved father is a gift. 
It's the exception, not the norm. But he then describes a fifth type of father that we, I believe, all the dads should be striving towards, the intentional father. And an intentional father studies their child, asking, who is this kid that God has given to me? They father with knowledge and with help. And the key with intentional fathers is they are raising sons and daughters while understanding the heart of their child. And when I was listening to this on this two-part interview and kind of interacting with the book, I started to think, okay, and this is about a month ago, I'm thinking, you know what? There's a section of Scripture that describes an intentional relationship or an intentional parenting. And it's found in Deuteronomy chapter 6. I want to read a few verses here. Deuteronomy chapter 6, we'll start in verse number 1. It says, These are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land you are about to enter and occupy. And you and your children and your grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Sounds pretty good. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord your God and your ancestors have promised you. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God and the Lord alone. Then, verse number 5. We're going to read this and then look at it. It says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. How many have heard this before, that, that particular command, that encouragement? That verse, verse 5, is the cornerstone of all Judaism. It's called the Shema. It's the greatest priority it's the only priority. It's the great practice. All-encompassing, wholehearted. It, to me, describes intentional that we're going to talk about today. Verse 6 continues. It says, And you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. And then verse 7 says, Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them on your hands and wear them on the foreheads uh, as a reminder. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. This is intentional. It's the only thing that really matters. And today, the stakes are higher than they ever have been, I believe. The goal is not to raise a great soccer player or a great scientist or a great musician or have a child that just gets good grades. The goal is to raise great adults. And could I say, godly adults. A revival of responsible, godly men and women. Now, if a father is indifferent, inadequate or absent, the task of maturing is harder for the child. But if we're intentional, moms and dads, taking this, we can take a step in the right direction and we can make a difference in our kids' lives. Let's pray. Lord, I'm asking that today you would breathe on this message. You take the foolishness of preaching, like your word says, and multiply it. God, I thank you that you are with us.
and that you're speaking. God, use me. Open up our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. In my study for this message, I took a deep dive on statistics. I got pages here that I've printed off. No lie, like just one study after the next after the next, and I had pulled five statistics that were kind of meaningful um, about fatherless homes and the, the effect that when a father is absent or inconsistent or uh, ignorant, uh, those first three. Um, but I'm not going to uh, take the time to look at those statistics, but I will summarize them, that there are challenges when a child grows up in a fatherless home. Criminologists, Psychologists, educators, and pastors, we all see it. Fatherlessness is linked to drugs and alcohol abuse, incarceration, crime, teenage pregnancy, abuse overall. And the statistics, I'm telling you, you look it up, you do a little Google search, it is, it's, it's hard, it's sobering for the irresponsible, ignorant, or inconsistent. And there are some dads that just need a Holy Spirit kick in the rear end. Let's just be true. I believe that the solution is to strive to be an intentional father. Fathers that are fighting for the hearts of their kids. It takes involved, intentional fathers to know the heart of their kids. And yes, it is a daunting task. And we need the Holy Spirit's help. Now, these verses that we read in Deuteronomy chapter 6, it's right at the end of Moses' life. So if Moses has lived, he's uh, helped them through the, the wilderness. They're about to move into the, the promised land. And uh, so they, he's reminding the people after 40 years in the wilderness to remember the law and to be obedient to it. And he's saying, look, the key to su success generationally is to obey the law. Let's look at it. It says... In verse 5 and 6, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. The goal for every man, for every woman, and let's just not talk about fathers for a second, is to be totally in love with Jesus. Sincere, all of your heart. Fathers, your faith matters. So don't be afraid to openly talk about your love for Jesus and for your Savior. Your kids, my kids, need to see us enthusiastically talking about God. It's our love for God in our conversations, in our time. And now, guys, I know that you have hobbies, you have your stuff, and you will talk endlessly about those things, whether it's motorcycles or cars or fishing or golf or guns or knives or whatever the hobby is, or maybe you talk about all those things. But can we talk about Jesus as we talk about those things, integrating the Lord into our conversations? Let me ask you a hard question. How visible is your faith at work, but even more importantly, at home? Well, Deuteronomy chapter 6, it encourages us to love God and for that to be visible. The first 
few verses of that chapter talk about God's commands and about the word. It says that these are the commands, decrees, regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land that you're about to enter and to occupy. You and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord. If you obey these decrees and laws, these commands, you will enjoy long life. I've shared before that when I was a kid's pastor, there was a businessman in our church that we, we talked about the idea. It never happened, but just the conversation caused me to think. He said, man, I, he said, I want to pay you to read God's word. And it never happened. I wish it would have. But, uh, but, but the important thing was, he's like, look, when you read God's word, it will affect your family and your family's family for generations to come. When I read the first four verses here, I think of personal obedience, personal obedience to God's word. And I know that uh, I honored my dad first service, and I'll do the same. Uh, he was online first service, but my dad, growing up, um, I knew that the word of God was important to him. It was out on the table every morning. It was usually open, and sometimes he would write out a scripture for me or for one of my sisters and just leave that for us. In our house, God's word was honored, and I am grateful for that. And then, not only God's love, personal obedience, but then it ends with this idea for generations to come. This idea that we're to pass it on. One time is not enough. Inconsistent is not enough. Daily, weekly, yearly, we should keep these things in front of us. Look at it. Repeat these things again and again to your kids. Teach about them when you're home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them on your hands. Wear them on your forehead, right? Write them on the doorposts of your heart. And so we need to get God's word into our families. And at different stages of our uh, kids growing up, it looks different. I remember when our kids were young, we would have scripture memory songs that we'd play and we'd sing, and, and those songs are embedded into us, and we can still quote scripture oftentimes because of a song that we knew. I remember talking through the Ten Commandments. I was a kid's pastor, and uh, there's creative ways to do that, and I would do that with our kids I remember memorizing scripture with my kids and praying at night, making that a priority. I remember as our kids, it, church was an absolute priority in our family. Did we miss services? Absolutely. But as a rule, we were in church. And so these were things, and these are things that we are encouraged to do. We, sending your kids to youth group once in a while or having family devotions once in a while is not enough. We need to pass it on the torch, our faith, and it takes intentionality to do that. There's a prophetic word I wrote into my message, and I'm going to just read it the way the Lord gave it to me. I believe it's for the dads in the room. It's a word from the Lord. This is what the word of the Lord is. Dads, the way you live and lead will have an effect on your kids, on your marriage, on your life, and it will affect generations. Church, it matters. And in order to do that, we need to go after the hearts of our children. And I think it's going to take three things in order to make that happen. If we're going to be intentional, the first thing is we need wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. 
I really like the idea that in every area of our lives, we should be people that live in consultation. Uh, maybe you've heard me say that before, that we don't just go rogue and just make decisions. No, we, we need to be in consultation. We need to be asking and seeking out, uh, reading books, learning, asking questions. Uh, in my raising of years, in the wisdom-seeking years, uh, when my kids were younger, uh, there was a book that made a lot of uh, sense to me. It was the book Love Does by Bob Goff. Uh, in fact, it's the book I've given away more than any other book. I've given hundreds of copies away. We did a series, and uh, it's, it's just a great book. But I'm reading this book, and, and God is just speaking to me and dropping words of wisdom. And it was, as I'm reading, if you've ever read Bob Goff, I don't know what you think when you read Bob Goff, but I'm like, man, I want to be Bob Goff. And he's talking about his relationship with his kids, and he's talking about these trips, and I'm thinking, okay, that's insane, some of the things he did with his kids. I can scale that to our, our, our budget. And, and really, that wisdom led to me spending a lot more time with my kids. I remember trips with Reagan to Chicago and to Portland, Oregon, and, and other things. But it was more than the big trips. It's wisdom and it's time if we're going to be intentional. With Reagan, there was times that she struggled, especially in her high school years. She was lonely and, and struggled with friends. And I, I remember I would go into her room and uh, she would never let me sit on her bed. You can talk to her about that at some point when she comes home uh, from Cairo. But, uh, but that was just the rule. And so I would sit on the floor Sometimes for hours. Sometimes we wouldn't even say anything. I would fall asleep at times. But it was spending time. I remember with Logan, it was trips to the Tigers game or camping. Logan got all excited for about a split second about soccer. He thought he was going to be a professional soccer player. And so we went to a professional soccer game in Chicago drove all the way there in an RV bus. One of our elders uh, gave us an, uh, an RV to borrow. It was awesome. It was so much fun. And then, you know, recently Logan got really head into surfing. And so I'm, I'm like, man, if I'm going to spend time with it, I'm going to do it as well. And thankfully I had a little bit of history of surfing. But you spend time with your kids. But it's not just the time. It's taking time to be intentional when you're with your kids. I remember when Logan was about eight years old, I took him to a Tigers game, and then we camped, and I remember sitting at a Coney Island in the Detroit area and talking about how we respect women because we are of A, and how we, uh, we hold the door and we, are, we honor a woman's body. And I remember all these things, starting the sex talk early talking about how to treat girls. I remember talking with Reagan, why are boys so weird? <laughs> I remember talking with both of the kids at different times about drugs or friends or the struggles that they're having, certainly pornography, with more so with Logan. It's time and being intentional with those times. And talking about time, for those of us that are married, it's not just the Holy Spirit speaking to one partner. We're together. Jessica uh, heard a word from the Lord, I believe, and she came to me once when Logan was about 14 years old, and Logan was a real punk then, and he, we've talked about it. He's given me permission to talk about it, but he, Jessica came to me and said, Ben, 
you need to spend more time with Logan. And she was right. The Lord prompted that. And, and so I, at that point, I, about four days a week, I had meetings in the morning. I was out early, and uh, I canceled everything. Some of you remember that season. And I started having breakfast with my son every single day. He hated it. That's the truth. And I would do a devotion. I'd slide it over to him. Sometimes he'd do it. Sometimes he wouldn't. And then I would drive him to school until he couldn't drive. And then I would pray for him every single morning. And as time went, he'd read the devotion and he'd softened up. It took some time, though, certainly. And some of you are thinking, oh, man, I... Uh, that's good for you, Pastor. You had the flexibility in your schedule. I don't have the time. I would disagree, and I would challenge you that you don't have the time not to because if you don't spend the time, someone else will get your child's heart. And I get it. Some of us have missed it, and some of us have missed it bigger than others. And Satan, he would love to just rub your nose in your bad situation. But don't let him do that. Today is a day about starting over, and we'll talk about that, about closing moments are remembered. How many know that Disney is strategic, that every night they end with a, uh, with a fireworks and saying goodbye to Mickey Mouse? They want their last impression to be the biggest and the same can be true in our lives with our kids. If we've missed it, if we've blown it, there's repentance. You can say you're sorry. And your voice can be the loudest voice in your child. Now, for me, I remember a specific situation. Uh, Logan was about 17 years old, and someone recommended for me to read a book called Play the Man. And it is about uh, when your kids become 13 years old, that there's this coming of age and this rite of passage and this pastor Mark Batterson is talking about how he would take a year with his kids at, from 13 to 14. They're becoming an adult, kind of like, you know, and there's a lot to it. And I'm seriously, I'm thinking, man, I've missed it. I, like Logan's 17, and then the Holy Spirit prompted in my heart, why not his senior year? We modified it, and we started reading books together. We read through the New Testament together. We did weekly father-son meetings uh, we had adventure. We did hard stuff together. And it was one of the highlights of my life uh, doing that with Logan. And I just want to say it's not too late. Just start to be intentional. Your voice can be the loudest in your kids' lives. But it's going to take wisdom. It's going to take time. And it's also going to take, I was going to say a little humility. It's going to take a lot of humility. Fathering must be done with humility. We must humbly acknowledge that we are not perfect. We need to say sorry sometimes. When I have fallen below the standard of God's word, and I know that I have and you have as well, how we react is critical. We don't just cover up our issues and our sin. We need to humble ourselves and we need to acknowledge things age appropriately with our kids. 
even as a pastor. My kids would watch me preach week in and week out, and then they'd watch me at home. You can better believe it. And when I have messed up, again, I've had to own it at different times. I've had to say, hey, I'm not a good example. And you better not do it cocky or flippant in any way. Because if we do not do this, our kids will see us as hypocrites. They will turn us off. They will silence us. It takes wisdom, time, and humility. And when we invest in these things, in what Deuteronomy chapter 6 is describing, we create a legacy. A legacy for our families. I am fourth generation Christian, and I am grateful for that. I remember stories that my great-grandma Miller uh, told that when her family gave their hearts to Jesus, they were ostracized. They were kicked out of the, the family business uh, in British Columbia. Uh, they were big landowners, and they ended up moving to um, uh, Windsor, uh, Canada, and so they're Canadian roots. And I remember hearing stories, but that first generation turned into second generation, third generation, fourth generation Christian. My kids are fifth generation believers. And some of you are like, oh, that's, that's good for you. Well, listen, I am living in the benefit of years and of generations of living for Christ. But if you're saying, well, that's not my legacy, it can be. You can start today. And even if you're a single parent, you can do it for sure. Dads, there's a legacy that we can leave our kids more valuable than stocks and uh, portfolio, then our stuff, our estates, family, businesses, whatever the case might be. And when it boils down, what God really cares about is our hearts. And we can pass that on from generation to generation. It's interesting that in Deuteronomy chapter 6, Moses is towards the end of his life and then we know that the next leader was Joshua. And in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, it was like Joshua re-upped again, where he became kind of the first generation again. So it was, this is it, and then they did it again. Look what it says. It says, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate it down at day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything in, written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. It takes generation after generation re-upping, saying, all right, here we go. We're going to honor God's word. We're going to love God. We're going to obey. And we're going to pass it on with God's help. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for the way you speak. And Lord, I know that uh, a message is just a message until you've breathed on it. And Lord, I pray that you've breathed on this message in particular, that it would impact us for your glory, for your honor. And Lord, on this Father's Day, I pray that we would wrestle with some hard things, that we would respond and draw close to you, taking a step in the right direction to affect generations. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask that every head is bowed, eyes closed. And I'm going to ask that you would be interactive with me. 
And I'll just tell you the goal is by the end of my questions here, and there's not that many, uh, that I expect that most of us, if not all of us, would be standing. The first thing I want to address is your love for God. I'm talking to fathers, I'm talking to mothers, I'm talking to singles, I'm talking to grandmas and grandpas, uh, young people in the room. I want you to wrestle with your love for God. Has your love for God grown cold? Are you in a dry place spiritually? Or maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, and you are like, what is all this about? Well, let me just tell you real quick that God, he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die for our sins. He was nailed to a cross, but he didn't stay there. They put him in a grave, but three days later, he came back and he rose from the grave so that we can find forgiveness and live forever with him in heaven. He basically took our sin and paid our debt. And if you need to accept that, or if you're saying, man, my love for God is not what it used to be, I want you, right where you are, to stand boldly. And there's no shame in this. I want you just to stand right where you are, saying, if my love for God is not where it used to be, it's grown cold, I'm distant in some way, or maybe you haven't ever had a relationship with God, I want you just to stand. The second area I want you to think about is your level of obedience. When we talk about living at a certain level or living under the, uh, the, the level of obedience, falling below the standard of God's word, if there are areas in your life where you are struggling, maybe 90% is good at the public, but there's that, nine, that 10%, that sin that just keeps on coming around or there, there's, there's things in your life you're saying, man, I'm not living according to God's standard. I want you to stand right where you are as well. Just stand. And by the way, if I was in the seats, this is probably where I would stand, just so you know. And then the last area is this desire to pass on the baton, the generation of spiritual health. If you're saying, Pastor, I want to be that kind of family. I want to be that kind of individual where I'm passing on my faith. I want you to stand right where you are. I want you to join me. And I'm going to pray for you. But after I pray and after I say amen, we're going to respond with this song. And I'm just going to encourage you to spend some time with the Lord as the worship team sings. You could turn in your seats and kneel. You can come to the altars. You can find a place. You can move. I I just want you to take this serious, you and the Lord. Let me pray. Lord, I pray right now that we would be people with a heart after you. And I pray for moms and dads that they would have the hearts of their kids. And Lord, I pray that we would raise kids in this culture. We would raise kids like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who were raised in a culture that was against God, but their kids still thrived. God, I pray that you would put your hand upon every circumstance, every 
across this place. And Lord, that you would strengthen us for the tasks at hand. God, fill us with your wisdom. Help us to carve out time. And Lord, to do it with humility. Help us to be intentional. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's respond. Find a spot just to connect with the Lord and just to ask the Lord for his help. Amen. saves. Lord, it's a reminder that you are an intentional God. That nothing you do is by accident. Lord, help us be people who follow after you. Who say, not my will, but your will, Lord. Your will in our family. Your will in our career your will in our future. Lord, help us, each and every one of us, whether we're a father or, or, or a son or a daughter or a mother or anything in between, Lord, that we would be people who intentionally are following after you, intentionally taking up our crosses, that we would be salt and light in our workplaces, in our homes, in our cul-de-sacs. Lord, and we know that as we leave these, this place, as your people, as your hands and feet to a lost, hurting, and broken world, that you will go before us, behind us, and all around us, Lord. We thank you, we praise you, not just with our words, not just with our intent, but with our action as well. Let us leave this place as people on mission, intentionally living for you. We give you the praise and glory and honor. In your name, amen. amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. You guys can go in the grace of God. Hope all the dads have great Father's Day. Thank you for choosing to spend it here. Hope you have a great day. See you next week. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.